You're listening to the Ricky Long Podcast. <laughs> You've literally just frozen on me. <laughs> can, can you see me? I don't know if you can hear them. I can hear you. <laughs> oh, no, I was just going to take a photo of how you, um, how, how you paused. <laughs> was it really attractive? Yeah, it was beautiful, but I don't think I got it. You're listening to the Ricky Long Podcast. You can't see, you can't be, you know, like... I'm the only female coach in the club. Um, I left the club 13 years ago when I left for London and there hasn't been a female coach since. So for me to go in and and coach again, I was so nervous going into um, the setting because I was like, these guys have never seen a female coach. So what are, what are they going to think? Um, and, you know, the first session I was there and there was a few young girls and I was like, oh, I like... You know, asking them, they're like, no, we don't pay, girls don't pay rugby. And I'm like, here, you know, and you're battling with that. And you're like, just because they don't see it, it's not in the, it's not in the town. It's not being shown on the telly. It's not being shown in papers and magazines. You know, it's just, it's, it's a catch-22, I guess. You're listening to the Ricky Long Podcast, where international fitness entrepreneur Ricky Long answers your questions and interviews fitness leaders on training, nutrition, and mindset. Ricky is a fitness industry expert, having been helping people achieve their fitness goals since 2002. We talk everything fitness, business, and group exercise to help you on your fitness journey. to this episode of the Ricky Long Podcast. This episode of the Ricky Long Podcast is sponsored by Body Core Training and Podium for Sport. Podium for Sport are gearing up in Northern Ireland. They are already delivering home gym equipment as Northern Ireland are in another lockdown. Uh, circuit breaker I believe they're calling it. Um, so if you need some gym equipment give Elisa or Craig a shout at the Podium for Sport store. You can check out their Instagram and social media pages as well. You can also check out Bodycore Training. Again, if you're a fitness professional right now and you're thinking you want the upskill to provide more of a service offering for your existing clients, attract newer clients, and do something different with your business, give Bodycore Training a shout. Mention Ricky on podcast and you will get some exclusive deals. Right, this episode is with Elaine, such a good, fun episode to do. So we recorded this one about two weeks ago now. Um, so that's important just to give you some context. Uh, Elaine is someone I've known for a long time and first became on my radar when we were team teaching a body pump class. I think it was body pump 100. Um, and I was blown away by the, the weights and technique of Elaine. Um, and then we just you know became friendly after that. Uh, Elaine has gone a couple of different directions in her life. She's worked, uh, so she's originally from Kerry, which is on the west of Ireland. Um, she's worked in Dublin, she's worked in London. She's done various different jobs, both in and outside of the fitness industry. She's a multi-time student, and she's currently studying uh, sports science and exercise, uh, which we talk about loads in this podcast. We did set it up where we're going to talk about um like psychology and sport and mental health, but didn't get deep into the mental health, which is, I wouldn't say regretful because we had a really, really good conversations without that. Um, what it is actually is just an opportunity to get Elaine on another podcast and go deep into that. Um, couple of disclaimers to give just before we start. Um, Internet connection wasn't our friend for this one. So whilst there's no breaks in the internet connection, there is an awkward pause between Elaine speaking and then Ricky speaking. 
Look out for that. Apologize for that. I can't really do much about that. Um, I've caught a few of them in the edit and put them a little bit closer together, but it is what it is. Um, and then secondly, we were chatting, like I said, around about the 10th of October. And this was before Ireland, not Northern Ireland, Ireland went into a lockdown. So I believe now Ireland are in a, a six week pretty much like 99% lockdown um, throughout Ireland. Back then, it was county specific. Uh, Elaine and I were just ha having more of a chat about what the rules of movement were at that time. And we were just kind of openly admitting we didn't know what they were at that time. Um, so the information you're going to hear about those lockdowns, we do talk about um, sport in Ireland as well. You know, that, that information is outdated. Just so you know, we're aware of that in the edit, um, but I think it's important to keep that in just so you feel the natural flow of the conversation. Um, I'm pretty certain that happens within the first 10 minutes. Um, so yeah, you can listen to it, understand that we don't know what we're talking about and it's all outdated. And please do fact check, please do fact check the latest COVID restrictions where you are on a existential basis. I'm trying to sound intelligent there. Right, over to the podcast. Uh, Elaine and I are going to look after you for the next hour. Um, if you are listening to it, give us a shout. Let me know what you're doing. Are you walking? Are you driving? Are you gymming? Are you in the shower? I want to know. Get on your Instagram. Let us know how you're listening to the podcast. And if you're listening to the podcast before October 30th, Jump Live is October the 30th, where I have expert speakers from literally all over the world dialing into Zoom to stream live on your phone, on your TV next Friday night from from 5 p.m. till 10.30 p.m. where we are going to just assault you with knowledge around training, nutrition, and mindset, specifically for a group fitness enthusiast or professional, and or professional. Um, link in the bio for that. And also, oh, oh, near forgot, um, in the podcast towards the end, Elaine and I are talking about books and she can't quite remember the names of books, um, so I won't say them now. I'm just going to put them straight into the show notes. Um, so if you want any of the, if you engage in the content on the podcast and you want to find out more, there's loads of books which Elaine has sent us in the show notes. When I say books, like links to the books where you can go and buy them. Um, yeah, just to be clear on that. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go and you're going to hear from me and Elaine and it starts off absolutely hilarious in how all Zoom conversations do start. Enjoy. You're listening to the Ricky Long Podcast. <laughs> You've literally just frozen on me. <laughs> can, can you see me? I don't know if you can hear them. I can hear you. <laughs> oh, no, I was just going to take a photo of how you... um. How you paused. <laughs> was it really attractive? Yeah, it was beautiful, but I don't think I got it. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. We are introducing onto the podcast today, Elaine Cahill. Elaine Cahill is an expert in being a fitness professional, teaching group fitness classes. And she's shaking her head at me right now. <laughs> you are an expert, trust me. An expert. Yeah, absolutely. And you have a massive passion and uh, knowledge in the area of psychology and you've been doing um, projects recently about sport and mental health which mm -hmm. is you know kind of some of the things I want to chat to you about today so how are you? Yeah I'm, I'm great even though that intro I'm just a bit like oh Jesus I'm not 
I wouldn't call myself an expert, but thanks. What would you call yourself? Um, learning. Yeah, well, it's fair. We're all learning. Well, yeah. I, I, I did something for another. I had to do a questionnaire for somebody else's social media, and the question was, "What do you? What are you most passionate about right now, or something like that?" And my response was being a student mm-hmm. and just learning about stuff, like random stuff. Like I, I'm, I'm really getting into, um, like you know, the nature programs, like the universe on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, like nothing to do with fitness or anything, but just like learning about like what damage we're doing to our planet. Mm-hmm. I know, yeah, it's mad, isn't it? Speaking but about damage, one sorry. Say, speaking about damage to our planet, you're in Ireland right now. This is we're recording this on the fourteenth of October. What nonsense is going down with lockdowns, and what is your movement right now? What are you allowed to do? Um, I hope I might because I haven't really been keeping up today. <laughs> oh, I don't. I didn't see him. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like oh. Um, so at the minute, I think we're all on level three, which means we have to stay within our own counties. Um, and then I think we're only allowed visit one household. Um, in terms of like events and stuff, there's none of like no events happening. Training, like sports training, is still going ahead, which is great. Um, but there's no matches. Um, yeah, and then in terms of GA, the GA cancelled all say club matches, but the intercounty is meant to go ahead this weekend. So it's kind of something's going ahead, something's not. From from a financial point of view, how or is GAA as a sport doing? Because I know how much it's affecting football and rugby, but uh, you know mm-hmm. I've been you know pretty you know blind to GAA. How 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 does that work? Yeah, good question. I'm not um entirely sure in terms of that. Um, I know obviously in terms of say the intercounty this weekend, so they they stopped all club games. Um, to two weekends ago, I think, when the level three came in. Um, but the intercount is going ahead because that's gonna draw a lot of money from, you know, RTE and Sky Sports for yeah. um, filming and, and getting it out, you know, into the into And I'm curious, the- would GAA have obviously some players would be paired, are they semi pro or professional? So with GA no, it's a non professional sport. Okay. However, you know, they'll get you know, say a lot of the um, athletes would get sponsorship by cars or, you know, they might get promotion, uh, like um, clothing promotions and clothing sponsorship, etc. But, yeah, in terms of a wage, no. So I guess then the sport as a whole doesn't have as many financial commitments as, say, what football and rugby might have if they're at a professional level because they don't have as many playing and non-playing staff to pay so GA could essentially when I say shut down but they could shut down with less complications possibly, uh, possibly. I'm sure they'll be like it wasn't the us two talking about listen to me trying to talk about GAA and the the economy in general but economy and GAA I, I know nothing about it let's be honest <laughs> yeah no you you and me both they're not my not my forte either <laughs> Right, Elaine Cahill. I always ask people when they come onto the podcast, you've done one of the coffee podcasts before, so I'll probably ask you this. I always ask people, who is Elaine? Um, 
so interesting, right? I, I, in terms of, I said, not me, I'm so interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. That's the best answer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, I always, my kind of pet peeve with people is like when they go straight to, you know, their career. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, in, and we'll, we'll get to this, but when I introduce myself onto the webinars that I've just done as part of my thesis, I'm like, oh, I'm an aunt. Like, that is my. <laughs> um, so, who am I? I am a crazy, you know, those those um, films that they make of these crazy aunts. Like, uh, I, think, I think it could be of me. Like, I just feel I'm that person. Future column. Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, so I am um, an aunt of two beautiful nieces and three nephews, um, and they are my absolute pride and joy. Um, oh, joking, I'm joking. I'm that is an awful <laughs> question. You can tell me when to stop recording. I don't have favourites. Ah, uh, sure. Tell as, me when to stop recording. As, as my grandmother says, I love them all equally. Yeah, sure, sure. She has a favourite. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that that is me and that crazy. I love, I love fun. I love just getting out there. Um, professionally, I have done sports science, so I'm a sports scientist essentially. Um, I'm a fitness professional. I teach fitness classes. Um, part of the LMUK presenter and trainer team. Um, and I'm a full-time student. Um, studying a master's in sport, exercise, and performance psychology. Kind of think, Do I do anything else? So much? That's that's quite interesting. You did um, say it at the start. You so interesting. That is very interesting. You also you do rugby coaching. Yes, I I was like thinking I was like oh I'm sure there's other things. I am also a rugby coach. Yeah, um, which I love and I love being back in that space. I listened to a great just on the subject of rugby. Is it female rugby you coach or no male? Male rugby. Uh, I just I, for some reason I thought it was female rugby. Um, I just want to say I listened to a good podcast that was actually with Phil Neville and Jay Humphreys, mm-hmm. and he, he goes off on this twenty-minute rant about female sport and how everybody said like female sport is catching up, and then all we needed was lockdown and every piece of news media is about getting male sport back and female sport. It's not even mentioned. There's no support packages. There's no let's do socially distanced training. Yada yada yada. It's all about the men's game, and he just. Mm-hmm. He articulates it so well, so many good examples, talks about what, obviously these are football players and you know international football players, but he's talking about how their personal lives have been affected, they haven't had wages in so long, never mind the staff behind the scenes. Um, so mm. I just thought, I thought that would have been relevant, um, but because you don't coach female sport, maybe it's not relevant. Yeah. No, I think it's um, I think it's very relevant to definitely touch on it because, yeah, I don't, I don't coach it because we don't have, there isn't a local female team yet. I have spoken to Vic. I'm like, oh, there isn't a female uh, team here. <laughs> um, so kind of rocking the boat at the minute I am. But, um, you yeah, know, it is, it's a massive relevant point. And interesting enough, so in um, Ireland, there's um, a campaign, 20 by 20 campaign, which um, it launched at the end of 2018. And it was all to do with um, getting female sport more visibility. So by the end of 2020, they, they wanted like 20% more females playing, 20% more coverage in the media, etc. 
So um, there's a really, um, they're doing like a wrap up of the, the two year campaign next week. So I'm really excited to um, like listen in on that and see what the results are because yeah, there is a, there is a difference, um, but it's still not as, you know, it's, it's definitely not nowhere near as equal as the men's game, like any sport. One of the problems is, and this might be, um, you might recognise us where you live yourself, is in Belfast, my local team, Bloomfield, they have been in existence since like the, the 80s. Mm-hmm. And we have, a, a youth system was introduced, so they have like a, a youth team for every single age group, mm-hmm. right up, you know, the idea that feeds into the, the, the men's team eventually. And they were part of a group of teams in Belfast given like a grant and a little bit of probably pressure from the IFA to create a couple of women's teams you know youth teams and men's teams and the problem they had is they tried to create you know a women's team for a couple of age groups but uh, you know a, a girls team maybe I should say mm-hmm. but there was no girls playing football because girls weren't playing football in schools so they can hardly join an after schools program if they they're not even being exposed to it in schools. And it was just, would you face those sort of things? You know, say with your rugby team, if you were to have a girls team, would it be similar? Girls playing rugby or in schools? Yeah, and I think um, like the whole twenty by twenty campaign is like if you can't see, or if she can't see, she can't be, and that's the problem. It's like we're not seeing it, so. You know, with the thing with female sport and why there's like people are saying, oh, there's no coverage in the papers because people aren't interested, but people can't be interested if they're not getting the coverage okay. and if they don't know. So it's kind of like which comes first, you know. Um, but yeah, in terms of you know setting up things, it, it is that if you can't see, you can't be. You know, like I'm the only female coach in the club. Um. I left the club 13 years ago when I left for London and there hasn't been a female coach since. So for me to go in and and coach again, I was so nervous going into um, the setting because I was like, these guys have never seen a female coach. So what are, what are they going to think? Um, and, you know, the first session I was there and there was a few young girls and I was like, oh, I, like, you know, asking them, they're like, no, we don't pay, girls don't pay rugby. And I'm like, here, you know, and you're battling with that. And you're like, just because they don't see it, it's not in the, it's not in the yeah. town. It's not being shown on the telly. It's not being shown in papers and magazines. You know, it's just, mm. it's, it's a catch twenty two, I guess. Yeah. Moving on to like kind of what you're here to talk about, and I, I guess kind of the, the one question which we're going to come back to is what I put on my Instagram story earlier. And it's what does psychology and sports mean to you? So it's obviously, I know it's a passion project and you related to sports exercise science. Um, but if I can just ask you that kind of really generalized, broad scoped question, what does psychology and sports mean to you? Yeah, I guess it's just um, how you can improve your performance so you're performing at an optimal level. You know, that, and it's like what what does it take for everybody that's going to be different with what they need you know so some people might need it might be a skills a skills base and they may need to focus on on skills training um other people it may be an attentional focus it you know they might 
they might have anxiety or they might depression might get to them so it's it's then going into okay giving them tools to help with that or could be a could be a communication thing you know between the athlete and the coach and the backroom staff you know so there's so many different tools out there to help people perform at their optimal and it's that's the key it's their optimal level okay and do you a couple of questions sprung to mind there, but just when you said their optimum level, do, mm-hmm. do people have perceived different perceptions to what their optimum level can or can't be? Um, do you ask me that again? Do people have? Yeah, it's it's like do people have trouble believing how capable they can be, or do they have the exact opposite? Where you know, what do we call it, Lesnar's land? unconscious competence competence overconfident the cc glasses all of that it's like do they think they're better than they are um yeah there's there's probably a bit of both in that uh-huh. but in terms of those who don't believe that they have the capabilities it's you know up to you know the coaches the back staff the psychologists to instill that confidence mm-hmm. um and that belief in the athlete and once you still instill that belief in them and give them the confidence then they're more likely then to succeed and what what is it about psychology and sport that kind of gets your interest um interesting enough because i it, it hasn't been a, a a passion for you know my life i came into it really late um I only applied the course, the course started in January of this year, so 2020, um, and I only applied for it in the end of October last year. Yeah. So like, I almost missed the deadline and uh-huh. um, they had extended the deadline a couple of times and I was like, okay, I'll just apply for it. And I was applying for it not knowing what I wanted from it. Um, basically, I've had a lot of roles within sport. Um, I used to work in sports development um, and then change careers then to go into the fitness industry. Um, and then I kind of went and dabbled back into a little bit of sports development. And, and it was somebody actually, um, somebody I'd only just met and they were like, what are you doing with your life? And I was like, I don't know. I'm kind of, I love all, all these different jobs, you know, and these different roles. And that person was like, you need to take a helicopter view of your life and understand what you love about all those roles and then go and do it because you're floating right now. And I'm like, I don't mind floating. <laughs> I, I can be a floater. Um, but it, obviously that person saw something in me and he was just like, no, like you need, you need to follow something. So I did that. I took the helicopter view of my life and, and it all came back to psychology, like whether it was the coaching roles I had, um, whether it was in the fitness industry, whether it was in sports development, what I loved was the psychology. And I was like, okay, I'll just go and learn that. You know, I didn't have a clue of anything. So um, I guess that's why I'm coming on today. I was like, quite nervous because I'm like, I'm so new to it. I, like, you know, I'm not an expert in it. I'm just very early days learning about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and in terms of the passion, where I've got it from is like understanding. For me, everyone thinks, you know, when you think of uh, sports psychologists, 
you automatically think of an athlete and how to improve the athlete's performance. Whereas something came to me within a lecture and we had a guest lecture in and he spoke about the coach and the role of the coach and the importance of a coach. And it literally just came to me then I was like, why is nobody working with coaches? Like coaches have such a significant impact on the team. And if we can upskill coaches, you know, because not a lot of teams can afford sports psychologists, you know, especially at grassroots, etc. And I'm like, if we can upskill coaches, that's going to have a massive effect on, you know, from grassroots right up to elite. Because if you think of, of uh, mental health and, and, and sports, you know, like the amount of people that come to sport and the amount of coaches that are involved in sport, like that's kind of where then the passion for me came. I was like, oh my God, now I get it. I kind of have found my niche, I guess. Um, you know, because coming into the course, everyone had, oh, I'm here because of this, I'm here because of this. And I'm like, oh, I just have an interest in psychology and I have no idea where I want to go with this. Um, so that's kind of a long-winded answer to your question. It was great. Like, you saw me writing loads of shit down there. There's so much I want to pull out of that. Um, you know, first thing I'm going to say, I'm going to like kind of just blow smoke up your ass a little bit. Your strength is you are coming to that with just a general personal interest and no real and there's nothing wrong with what I'm about to say. Some people might go, I want to do a sports psychology degree because I want to go and work with, you know, young children who can't believe that they can be good at sport. And that's a very general idea. So I think your strength is you're coming at it from a openness willing to learn you've got and again this is a massive strength you've got a lot of life experience behind you you've done different roles you're not a mm -hmm. 18 19 year old fresh out of a levels or uh, the irish equivalent um, so, yeah yeah so that's a massive and you can you know you, you actually use the word niche after i kind of wrote it down and it's like you can develop and evolve exactly mm -hmm. who and what it is you want to work with yeah um I'm curious when you said about the helicopter look at your life. First of all, how did that process go? And could you describe it in a way that somebody listening could do for themselves? Yeah. Um, so I had, <laughs> I had, um, I'd met this person at an event. God, I'll cringe if he listens, um, but I doubt he will. <laughs> <laughs> I met this person at um at an event and we just got on like a house on fire. Um, was, it, was it was it me? <laughs> no, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. I was off work Friday. Okay. Secret deal later. <laughs> um, no, so I was at an event. It was when I was working with Sport Ireland last year, and um, I was my role there was organising European sport for Ireland, and it was during an event, and I met this guy with got on, chatted, chatted, chatted about everything. We are like, whether it was from sport to coffee, blah, blah, blah. And it wasn't until I left him that I was like, who is this guy? And I Googled him and I was like, shit, he's the new chief exec of this NG, like national governing body. And I'm like, I'm just after telling him I'm going to be fired on Monday for something I did the day before on social media. And I'm like, my God, I'm definitely going to be fired. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and on the Monday he had emailed me and basically because my contract was coming up with Sport Ireland and he basically was like what what are you doing afterwards because 
you know, I've got a position for you, basically. And I was like, I just, just told you all the bad things I've done and that I'm going to get fired. And here you are offering me a job. Um, and that's where then he asked me to send over my CV. And so he was like, let's meet for a coffee. And I literally thought it was like, oh, here chatting. So I turned up, I was like, oh, hey. And he had the CV in front of him. And I was like, oh, Jesus, like, it's not going to be just a chat. And uh, he's like, I was, he's like, and that's exactly what he said. He's like, where are you? He's like, I've had a look at your CV. He's like, what are you doing with your life? I was like, I don't know. I, I actually don't know. I I enjoy all these different things. And, you know, he clearly saw something in me from that first meeting that, you know, he's like, there's more to you than what is, what you've got on your CV, basically. And it was him and, and what I imagine the helicopter view was, it was like, literally, it was like pulling my body up, like, in a, like my, you know, whether, I don't want, like, want to say your soul away but you know the way like people say oh when you die and then you can look down on your life and I literally imagined that happening right there and then in the meeting and I was like okay what you know I've done all these different roles and what do I love about them what why why do I love every role what's the common common thing within each role that I don't mind doing and that's then where I came back to you know, the love of people, the love of what, trying to understand people, like, why do people exercise, you know, what keeps them coming back, why, why do I love being involved as a coach, what, what is it about that, so it's kind of, when I did that thing, that's where the psychology came from, does that make sense? It does, it does make sense, and I think that person, um, a lot of terms are thrown around you know that person everyone has that person in their life at some point i believe you got you know a bridge you know someone who just can see something either you can give you an opportunity that you never thought was possible um mm-hmm. so so i have mine you know i've spoke about one who will always has to remain nameless and he was the one who pulled me out of the hole i was in back in 2016 2017 mm-hmm. um and then the other one was actually our mutual friend, I will name him, is Martin Franklin. Mm-hmm. So how much he helped me with certain things to the point where every now and then he'll still send me a random message to how's it going. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think recognizing those people, like you were you were having that random conversation with this random person and then you, you get to link up with that person again once you, you have the realization of who he, he was or who he yeah. is rather. And you yeah. get to follow it up, and then like life lesson, no busy. What what position was I exactly? He was the new chief exec. Yeah. Of a national governing body. Yeah. <laughs> Le- lessons that anyone listening, no chief exec will ever just have a random coffee catch up chat. There will always be an ulterior motive. <laughs> yeah. So see see that helicopter view of your life. Yeah. Like, how how did you do that? Because I'm really really curious. Um, in, I my, in my head, is it? Do you just write down all the shit you're doing, all the stuff you want to do, things you don't want to do, and just jo- connect the dots? No, for me, I wrote down all the roles I had. So, you know, from coaching to sports development to fitness 
and I wrote down what I loved about all those roles. And mm. I didn't write down the bad stuff, no, I just wrote down the good stuff. And then it was like, what is it about that role then? Why, where's the connection from all the roles? Mm-hmm. And it all came back to the people and understanding people and wanting better for those people. Um, yeah. And is that what led you to think at the age of you know, 24, same age as me, that you want <laughs> that you then want to go and do like a full time? I'm calling it a master's. Is that the right thing? Yeah. Um, yeah. So what had happened then? Um, actually, bizarre, <laughs> bizarrely. So oh god, there's people are going to think. <laughs> <laughs> I get the feeling there's a lot of stories with Liam. <laughs> So um, what had happened then? So I, I did that and I kind of had made the decision then I was going to go and do psychology. And then I met somebody else um, and that person, I'm like, I'm like, if I tell you who, it, like what they are, you might be like, who is this crazy ass person? So anyway, this person was like, um, I, I went to him in terms of career because like that I was a bit all over the place and I was like I need to I need some direction in terms of my career uh-huh. and he had mentioned you know you're great with groups and anything to the groups and outdoors blah 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 um, and so what he said you're not interested in the fitness side of it yes you'll get people through because of fitness he's like what you're interested in their whole mind and the psychology blah 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 and I was like interestingly enough because I'm like thinking about going into psychology and he was like oh um blah 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 something about sports psychology and I'm like oh hang on now you mentioned sports psychology not just psychology he's like oh yeah he was like why would you do psychology why would you waste all your time when you're meant to be within groups of sport and that was a massive like eye-opener for me because I wouldn't have the confidence to specialize straight away so I would have gone and done like a degree in psychology and then probably specialised in sports psychology. Mm-hmm. But this person was like, absolutely not. He was like, you're wasting then three, four, five years beforehand to do psychology when you're not born to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so he gave me a, the confidence then just to apply for sports psychology. I was like, I may as well go and, and do a master's. Um, even though I don't have a psychology background, but I was able to get in because of my sports science background. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how I came to the sports psychology like side of it, which is, as I said, I wouldn't have had the confidence beforehand. It's, it's something I find really interesting whenever I'm reading any personal development books, as soon as they link anything to sports, that's when, I, that's when I'm in. That's when you, you've hooked me. Um, there, mm-hmm. was a, there was a brilliant one, a story springs to mind. And it was about like the, the power of preparation so you don't have to think on the day of performance. And mm-hmm. you used the Michael Phelps story and the goggles. Do you know this one? And the goggles, no, go on. So it was one of his 100 meter butterfly finals where it was like the, the Olympics. It wasn't his one to win like, I don't know, 50 odd gold medals, whatever he yeah. won. It was kind of along the journey. And but for whatever reason, there was a lot of pressure on this one. I think the US swim team were just performing really, really badly. And this was going to be the first gold medal of the, the US swim team. Anyway, long story short, 
he rocks up on the blocks, does everything as per normal, stands on the blocks. Um, Marks set go, dives into the pool. When he dived into the pool, his goggles ripped off. And for anyone who hasn't experienced that, is when that happens, when, when you're in a race situation, your goggles are extra tight to try to prevent that happening. So his goggles went down to below his nose and obviously pulling like that. You can see this visual. So he's just getting this, his nose is being pulled all shapes. He can't see. It's probably hurt on the way down. So his eyes are probably sore. So he has this decision, split second decision to make. Do I stop, fix my goggles, carry on, stop and retire, or do I just keep going? And it happened in such a way where he couldn't see, he couldn't open his eyes. So he had to do the race blind. And a hundred meters butterfly in an Olympic pool, you have to turn. So mm -hmm. he can't see the wall where he's going to turn. And then when he's on his way back, he can't see the wall where he's got to finish. And he did the perfect race and he set a world record. Because he'd done it that many times. It was just like a drill. He knew how every single stroke was meant to feel, how many strokes he's meant to go up the pool. He probably didn't even count how many strokes he was doing. Mm -hmm. He just knew, his body knew where the wall was going to be. And if you watch the race in question, it's when he's going to turn, you can see he, he stretches like four or five inches just further than he normally would. So you can tell he actually can't see yeah. from that. Um, so that that's what that's the type of story in psychology sport. That is what grips me. I've got a, I've got a few more, but I'm just wondering from your point of view, what's your thoughts on that story itself? Or is there any sports psychology and real life examples? Yeah, like that is just, it's like, yeah, it doesn't surprise me because he'll have done that, as you say, a million times. And yeah. not only physically, but he would have most probably done like mental practice and okay. um, a lot of imagery also, you know, so he'll have been imagining that way. So he'll have been imagining what it feels like to be in the water. He'll know how many strokes. He'll know all this. Like, as you mm -hmm. say, you don't even need to think about it. And then that when you're so prepped for a race like that, like a pre-performance, then it's just, it's automatic. You just, you don't, you just mm -hmm. go and do it, you know? So, and that's, I guess, the importance of, you know, especially say like in, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be just an individual, but it could be like group sports as well, but like having that pre-performance routine is really important, mm -hmm. you know, so that, you know, you know that when your goggles go on, you're, you're ready or, you know, hearing this or, you know, your techniques to relax beforehand, if that's what it is, or do you need to G yourself up, you know, so everyone is going to be different. Um, but yeah, it doesn't, that doesn't surprise me, especially for someone of, of that. Yeah, I'm just going to give a great example for the listeners. Obviously, loads of group fitness instructors listen to this podcast, which is great. It's a great one for the group fitness instructors. You know, when you're having a really, really shit day and like you've, you've burst, you know, all four tires in your car and you're walking to the club and you don't have your phone's not charged and all that. But this and you're in a really piss off mood. You've just had a phone call with, you know, your wife and your husband and, you know, the, you know there's, there's all this shit going on at home. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when you put the microphone on. Mm -hmm. oh, and like you're oh, can be arse teaching this class you got the microphone on you turn the microphone on and then all of a sudden you say these two words which changes everything check check one two one two and that, that's you in character yeah i'm sweating and you think of, of you saying that 
Do you remember my first forty workshop <laughs> yes. with you? <laughs> yes, I do. Of course, I do. <laughs> like, uh, what about that for <laughs> a prep and getting there? And ah, so, so tell everyone what happened if you can. <laughs> do you know what? Do you know I've never spoken about it, and outside of you and whoever else was there on the day and on the Sunday because I had to do it again. Nobody uh -huh. knows that story. And I just, oh my God, my heart rate is just like through the roof. Um, so for those who don't know, on the way to my first ever quarter workshop as a presenter, as a presenter, I crashed the car. <sighs> crashed the car, burst two tires, completely ripped the underneath of the car, like, Oh my god. Um it was like seven o'clock in the morning, so I couldn't like it was just too early to ring anybody. So I traveled three point seven miles, I'll never forget it, um, on a flat tire to get to the venue. And I turned up late because, you know, I was so slow traveling on a flat tire. And then I gone in and you didn't even bat an eyelid. You were like, Oh, I was like, sorry, I'm late, and you're like, It's grand, grand, like I still probably still had like half an hour to go and as you say you just put on the mic and then you just you go and I never forget then we finished and uh I turned to you I was like I need to, do you have the like what should I say AA or someone like have you got a number for a local garage or you were like what, what happened I'm like oh crash the car <laughs> crash the car on the way <laughs> and you're like what it's like yeah. like you you've just done that I'm like yeah and we've got another one in an hour but I need to sort the car because I need to go back to Dublin <laughs> <laughs> oh that was horrendous oh, I, I hope do my mother that. doesn't listen to this because she doesn't know I ever crashed the car oh um, no 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 well uh <laughs> we'll edit that out honest we won't get that out <laughs> that's that's a classic example of you know you've whether you're an elite athlete like Michael Phelps or, you know, an elite GAA player mm -hmm. or you're teaching a group fitness class, you know, it's when you've got that, when you've got to quote unquote perform to a level, you've mm -hmm. got to go through your own, in, you've got to understand your own individual psychology to put you in that place. Mm -hmm. um, like we, we spoke about it. So again, this leads us on to the positive psychology because we, we did this, we had, I say we did this, you did a big section of this for some recent work we did together with Les Mills. And it's the idea of positive psychology and what puts you in that positive frame. And one of the things that I've always championed this, but I've kind of never known why, is like, see when you're doing a double class, like say body pump into grit, mm -hmm. change your top between classes because you go from yeah. your red body pump outfit into your black grip outfit you know you go from being superman to batman so you have you behave a different way mm -hmm. um so i guess the question that i'm trying to ask a long-winded way is you know positive psychology what is it what does it mean to you yeah with positive psychology i guess it's like it's not just the absence of negative thinking mm -hmm. But it's also being aware of what brings you happiness, joy, peace, love, whatever, you know, whatever those positive emotions are. But it's actively then activating and nurturing those emotions. Mm -hmm. um, 
And I guess the the thing that people could get wrong with positive psychology is jumping on the again another one of my pet peeves is the positive vibes only bandwagon. That was my Monday social media post. Was it? I definitely didn't see that. <laughs> my post on Monday was literally, I can't think of something to post. So here's some positive vibes. <laughs> okay, so there's a difference. There's a difference. <laughs> Is between... that not okay? No, no, that's absolutely fine. Okay. I guess, I guess where I'm coming from is, you know, people are, if people are going through a shit time or have a negative emotion and they're like, push it off and they're like, oh, hashtag positive vibes only. Like, that is so detrimental to people's mental health because you're not allowing yourself to acknowledge the shit. And it's really important to acknowledge the shit emotions because that's where you're going to learn. That's where you're going to grow. You're going to learn from those situations. And then next time you're in that, you'll be like, okay, I've I've gone through this before and I have come out of it. Whereas if you constantly dismiss the bad, you're not dealing with that, you know? So you're just suppressing it, which is then going to eventually blow up or perhaps even make you ill, even worse. Like, I would never trust someone as a mentor unless they have failed before. Unless they have? Have failed in something and learned from it and grown from it and they can now use their feelings not just for their benefit but for their other benefit and by by mentor i just i mean anyone in that mentor capacity so whether it's a group fitness instructor who's teaching you or Mm -hmm. whether it's your thousand pound an hour business coach who you've decided to hire it's feelings and looking at the negative yeah the negative reasons why you have failed at something you have to then learn from that Mm-hmm. and like if you if never if you've never had a failure and you've just had a lot of success i i think you're incomplete and i don't i don't actually think that person exists either i don't think successful people exist unless they've had certain failures and learned from it um so i, th- I think that's really important that when you when something does go wrong you have to acknowledge it you have to look at what you can learn from it how to avoid it make it not happen the next time and how you can, you know, best way to understand something is to teach someone. So how you can then teach that to someone else. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And, you know, and I think people are afraid of failure. And people are afraid of perhaps sitting with those negative emotions because it's hard. And, yeah. and you know, failure is hard. But it's like you have to think, well, why is it hard? Like, are you... Are you embarrassed because you're gonna because of everybody else and they're like, oh, she failed or he failed or they didn't succeed in this? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So it's like you need to ask yourself, and and that's a really important piece, especially you know with psychology, is being self-aware mm-hmm. and and your own self-awareness and how actually self-aware are you? Because not a lot of people are self-aware of their own emotions, and it's like. You know, questioning. Okay, well, if you do fail, why are you embarrassed? Is it because of everybody else talking about you, or because you actually haven't put in the effort that you could have put in? You, do you know what I mean? So it's it's that self awareness piece is really important. 
self-awareness is, is massive um, because other people's perceptions will always change. You know, what is success to one person is failure to another person, for example. Um, so you have to be very, very self-aware of what you're doing at what time and where it's moving towards. You know, just use a classic example, you know, just because who's listening to this, if you're a group fitness instructor and you go through the training and you become a group fitness instructor, like that is success. But to your uncle, who is a CEO in a company who has never set foot in the gym in his life, it's kind of like, when are you going to get a real job? You know, you're just a gym instructor. It's perspective and it's listen, okay, that's that's his perspective, but my self awareness is this is what I'm meant to be doing right now. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's like it's gonna say something there in terms of like as you say, it's people <laughs> compare themselves so much to other people and whether it's success or whether it's, you know, X, Y, Z and it's just be your own person and be be happy with yourself or or if you're not you know go and improve that but like don't be taking other people's opinions on because they have no idea where you are right now you know what saying i've always had a bit of a, a i don't think i understand it the way it's probably meant to be it's like don't compare yourself with others just compare yourself with yourself mm-hmm. i'm not sure that sits well with me I think compare yourself with yourself or I'm not trying to be better than anyone else. I'm trying to be better than me yesterday. I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm not sure they create the right message because sometimes it's okay to be the same as you were yesterday. You know, sometimes when you're comparing yourself with yourself, well, there's actually, you know, you we're doing okay. So it comes back to that self-awareness. And it's, yep. it's realizing what you're doing right now for anyone is you know whether you're the finished article or not or whether you're on some sort of journey that's what you're doing right now what what are the reasons why what are the checkpoints what are the 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 red flags um so yeah it just kind of sprung to mind there you know when we're talking about self-awareness yeah i've written i wrote this down i wrote yeah i wrote this down yeah i have written this down it's definitely not i've written uh, I wrote this down about 10 months ago, but I haven't had the right opportunity to ask. So again, what we're used to as group fitness instructors, we're used to systems and process. So something that a lot of people understand is when you go and do a Les Mills mo- module, you do the, the five key elements and it looks like a pyramid or it looks like five columns, depending what way your trainer's done it. Is there anything in that similar in sports psychology to that? Do you have pillars? Do you have triangles? Do you have pie charts do you have clouds am i just talking shite (laughs) (laughs) um is there the five key elements of sports psychology is what i'm trying to ask i don't think so i don't think so i think um there's so much out there Mm -hmm. there's a lot of skills and there's a lot of techniques out there that can be learned but it's all it'll all come back to who you are and what you're after mm-hmm. you know so like yeah there's there's so much there's I don't think there's a box it all into here because then that would be really easy 
I want five key elements in sports psychology. I, I think that should be your life goal to create five key elements of sports psychology. But it's like, what, um, it's like, what do you want from that? Do you know what I mean? Like the, the answer. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so it's like, do you want the five key skills that that'll help? Or do you want five different theories? Do you know what I mean? There's so much. There's so much there. There's so many different resources as well. Um, I hate it when people answer a question with a question. I when hate I, when it. I, when I don't fully understand the original question I asked. That's what I'm, yeah. So <laughs> that's what I'm trying to hash out with you is to be like, trying to understand what you're asking me. And then I'll. So if, yeah, let's fast forward a few years and you are a doctor of sports exercise psychology. I'm going to be a doctor now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're running your own practice and somebody comes to you and they want to do one-on-one sports psychology doctor coaching. (laughs) I'm inventing a job here. I'm very aware of that. And what what would be the process that you would put them through? What is it? You know, I'm here. I want to get better. I want to get better at football. You want to get better at football? Okay. So it would be, you know, taking out all the pre, although I'd ask some pre-questions first to to see where where that person is because, you know, and find out whether that person wants to change because if they don't want to change, no matter how much money you throw at me, I'm not going to be able to help you because with with any sort of psychology, it's that person needs to be able to change. You're only there as a catalyst to help them, mm-hmm. um, but they've got to do the work. Yeah. So I would definitely ask them three questions first to see where they're at and, and what, um, whether we can work and whether you are willing to change. And then if all that was good and you're, yes, you're willing to change and you're, whatever and we sorted out you know our contract and go ahead with that then it would be like again depending so you're saying you want to get better at football I start with looking at relationships the relationships you have um you know with your manager etc your coach but also outside who's your support network what's your family life like what's your friendship like do you know do you have a good support network? Because that is really important, especially at elite level as well. You know, when all you do is go from the training pitch to, you know, recovery to spending that time with your friendship groups. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and relationships um, are known to have the biggest influence on long-term health and happiness. Mm. I know, which is quite interesting, isn't it? It is interesting because probably when I ask that question and you know, people listening will think, maybe put it in your own words, like I want to get a better group fitness instructor, I want to be a better PT. So mm-hmm. they're automatically probably thinking, okay, I want to be a better PT. So I, you know, somehow here Elaine is going to help me write a better program that's more understandable for my client. When you didn't go near the technical aspects of me being a footballer, 
you thought, all right, you know, like what conversations are you having in your uh, off the pitch? Um, I, again, you're just coming back to the fitness professional, the, the group fitness instructor is, we do say it a lot in, in our position as trainers where if the group fitness instructor isn't supported at home, it's very, very hard for them to make a career out of it and a main support in all ways from emotional, financial, time, because let's face it, being a group fitness instructor, it's a very, very anti-social job. You're teaching until 9 p.m. every night, Saturday morning, Sunday mornings. Like, it's really, really, you know, shit hours, to, to be perfectly honest. So you need to have that support around you to be able to say, you know, at 5.30, you know, be able to say to those people in the house, listen, I'm way out. Um, sort yourself out for dinner. I'll be home at 9 o'clock. Yeah. Um, and if the person on the receiving end of that conversation answers like this, off sake are you going out again to teach those classes what am i meant to do then that's sending you to teach a class in a negative mindset or if that person is no problem ricky have a great class when you get in at half nine um we'll have a cup of tea a biscuit and we'll chat about the classes and then all of a sudden ah you're more relaxed going into those classes so it's having the conversations with that support network rather than thinking how can i say brace my abs in a better way that makes me a better instructor mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, I kind of I find that that space and that relationship is really interesting because, and I always say to people when I train them on IMT, you know, you know the way we we um, set up our Facebook groups, and I'm like that's there as a sounding board or to be there to celebrate the really great classes or to have a rant about the really shit classes, you know, whatever it is, because we get it, we get it. Those people in the group get what you're going through. Like your family and your friends, the majority of them probably won't get it. They won't understand it. And that's really hard. And I found that, especially in the last year and a half, two years perhaps, maybe, how important knowing who to go to to meet your needs. Mm. And that has a massive effect on our mental health or on our psychology on our day-to-day -day, you know so it's like and that's kind of I suppose coming and bringing the self-awareness as well it's like okay what do I need right now I like I'll never forget I had a, what I thought was an awful quarter workshop before and I came home and I was like person that's at home I they just don't get it they they just don't get it and I ended up ringing one of the other centers trainers so I was like, I'm, I just, I need to hash this out with you because you get it. And you, I instantly felt better because they get it. Mm -hmm. So it's like, whether it's that or whether, you know, do you just need to have a rant? Who's actually going to listen? And like that listening piece is so important. Um, and that's a whole other topic in itself. Like, do you have somebody that actually listens without interrupting and without being like, oh, I know how you feel. And you're like, just listen to me. I need somebody just to listen to me. Mm -hmm. Um, or is it, do you need somebody that you just need to go out and have fun with? Like someone that isn't even going to ask you any questions. They're just going to, yeah. you know, get up to devilment with you. Have you got some, you know, so being aware who's in your group, who's in your relationship group and who can you go to, to get your needs met? Because there's nothing. In, and I think that's a lot of downfall for people. Is they'll have a go-to person. But that go-to person mightn't fulfill the needs for everything. 
and then they're not satisfied and then that's then where they don't listen to me oh or they might have a falling out am i making sense you you really are and i love it because what and again just to drag this out of it are you talking about having a one person for all those needs or different people different people yeah yeah i think it's bang on and I, I guess what's important there to add is then when you go to those people, it's going to them and making sure that they know what you need from them. Mm-hmm. So give a personal example of what last week, Ricky, did I message you? And I said, I need a chat for 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Are you free? Mm-hmm. And it was like putting out that boundary. Like I'm telling you, I need a chat. I need your, I need you to listen to me for 10 minutes rather, you know, rather than be like, oh, you know, are you okay for a chat? And you're like, no. But the fact that I've said that, it's like, okay, you need to be switched on for 10 minutes. And I, and that subject I came to you for, I know you, you were able to fulfill my need of what I needed to just chat to you about. Whereas, sorry to interrupt, sorry. It's, it's a girl, I've got to do want to interrupt you at that point. It's interesting because people will be listening to this and be like, Ricky took a call randomly. I said, I didn't take a call randomly. Had you messaged me and said, Ricky, do you fancy a catch-up? Yeah. I probably would have ignored it or said, no, I'm too busy. I'm doing something else. But because you specified what it was, I was like, you know, red flag. Let's get in. Let's see what the crack is. And that's really, really key. You know, you, you what did you call it? Setting your boundaries. So you specified. Yeah. Yeah. And it's important for both you to have your needs met, but then also for the other person to be like you know so I'll have many people come to me for different things and then at the end I'm like what do you want do you want do you want me to listen or do you want my advice because I need to know to then yeah you know and for I told you at the start of that conversation I was like I need you to listen but I also need you to make me laugh because I'm in this rut and I just need to be pulled out of it and you're the person that's going to pull me out of that you know, so like I don't know if you even remember me saying that to you, but I was like, "Yeah, I do." I need, I need this from you. Because um, I'll be honest, a lot of red flags were going at that point. I was saying, "Oh, well, what's going to happen?" Like immediate thought, such a stereotypical thing: she's pregnant, right? She's <laughs> pregnant, and I, I and I either know the person or I'm involved somehow. What I'm going to do? <laughs> it wasn't that. Just for everybody listening, it was not that. <laughs> Disclaimer: That is nowhere near happening to me right now. <laughs> And I probably wouldn't be the person you'd be phoning to, t- like one of the first people you'd be telling anyway on that department, but I just freaked out. I was like, oh shit, what's it going to be? What's it going to be? <laughs> yeah, so, you know, it, that's, and I, you know, once I kind of learned that, oh my God, it just helps so much. Like, because then your needs are being met. And once your needs are being met, then you're going to have a better you know, mental health and, and better psychology. Yeah. I talk about it as well as, you know, I, I try to split my life into like four pillars, sometimes four quadrants. And it's like uh, health, career, uh, love and fulfillment. Yeah. And it's, I want to be doing something in those four pillars every day to bring them up or just to serve those pillars. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, based on what you're saying here, it's kind of like, if something was going wrong in one of those pillars, I would probably have a different person who I would want to talk about with. You know, so if, if 
something going wrong in my love area of my life yeah. it's probably a different person I'm going to talk to than it is when I have something going wrong in the career so mm-hmm. in the career section I've maybe I've maybe phoned you to talk about a module in mm-hmm. the um in the love section I'd probably talk to Lindsay mm-hmm. obviously and like that because you have to have those different people in different parts of your life and you have to be prepared as well that you're going to be different for yeah. other people's um I don't expect too many people are going to phone Ricky Long about things going wrong in the love area of their life but when it comes or, to or if they're pregnant <laughs> yeah but to date that has not happened <laughs> I, I like to be the person who finds out about people being pregnant on the internet on Facebook I think that is the perfect place to find out someone's pregnant you know when you just see the sonogram picture I'm totally cool with that that that's 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 where I am in the in, in the, the pecking order of pregnancy being informed or you know maybe when it appears in a whatsapp group after the 12 week mark happy days fine grand congratulations uh, that's me done let's talk about something else yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm that person i'm just thinking there you know the way like you um cut out little snippets from your podcast to promote it i'm just like i hope to god you don't put anything about pregnancy because people be like what is going on with this one <laughs> to be honest with you, anything to bring listens up because listens have come down over the last two months. I, I'm I'm putting it down to lockdown, so if I have to um, use underhand tactics, you know, I might just title it um, the pregnancy episode. <laughs> Who's pregnant? Put a put the video up of us two with the title "Who's Pregnant" in this picture. The answer is no one, but like we get people to listen. Lord, I'm sweating at the top of it. <laughs> right, listen, we've 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 got to be quick, um, because we are. I say we. Lindsay's streaming a class in like ten minutes, uh, one well, fifteen minutes actually. So I'm going to need like full bandwidth internet. So I'm going to have to jump off soon. Having said that, we got some good questions in from people. Um, so I'm going to go to this one from Sarah because I kind of liked it, and. I'll just read it out for exactly what Sarah's written. Um, not sure if this is something that Elaine has looked into from a psychology perspective, but possible steps on how to deal with exercise addiction and compulsion was a topic brought up in a recent documentary with Freddie Flintoff. Um, I haven't seen that documentary with Flintoff yet. I did share the promo and it was about um, his own dealings, secret dealings with bulimia. Yes, that's yeah. right. I have it. it's on my list to, to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I haven't done anything in terms of exercise addiction. However, I think Mr. Trot um, has done a massive study on that, hasn't he? Yeah, so Mike Trot, he he did the podcast with me. I want to say it's about episode 50, maybe 60, um, about a month before one of his first studies was being done. We are long overdue a follow-up on that, um, but he talks about, like, are we actually addicted to exercise mm-hmm. uh, and kind of what what does exercise addiction look at because when you think of heroin addiction mm-hmm. like and somebody coming off heroin it's very apparent what's going on in their body and how they're reacting to it but yeah. would you react the same way if you were just told right you, you're not you're going from 10 training sessions a week to none mm-hmm. how would you actually react because it'd be very, very different to how it looks to coming off something extreme like heroin, you know, extreme example to, to prove a point, Ricky. Um, 
So, oh, so what was the question again? I'm just saying, would, would that be would that be better to direct Sarah to that? Yeah, definitely. We can direct that. Mike is due on. I just I keep pissing about, to be honest. Um, so it's how to deal with exercise addiction and compulsion. Oh yeah, yeah. I think um, let's. I'll um look that up because I he has published a lot of papers recently. Yeah. Um, so we can add it into you know the end of your podcast. Um, what I will say for anyone who's kind of hearing that is. I, I love the motto. I live by this motto and I teach it to my clients. And I think you have to get to a certain point in your life to know that what I'm about to say is okay. Does your training session that day complicate or complement your day? I like that. And if it's ever going down the route of complicating, sometimes it's better just to not do it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're going to go and try and do a session at eight o'clock at night, after you've done a hard day's work, after you've been with the kids, and then you get home and you've got to do, you know, homeworks, you've got to do dinners for the next day, that's when you add a lot of complication. So maybe is it better to look at how you can get training into your day where it complements your day? And as for the addiction side of it, um, you know, if you're training two, three times a day in some sort of addictive, obsessive way, well, you're probably not getting a lot of other things done which are important. So it's looking at it that way. So I love that complicator compliment. I really like that actually. Um, this one came from uh, the way I've spelt that. It looks like Marianne. And, 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 and. Uh, it's Mariana. Uh, don't know if the podcast will be around group fitness, but I would like to ask for book recommendations around team sports psychology, uh, specifically on how to mentally prepare a team before, during and after competition day. Are there any any good generic sports psychology books? Um, I know Adam gave me a good one. It's not sports psychology. There's a bit in it. Um, Physical physical intelligence. Mm -hmm. Um, I was going to say that, yeah. Um, Oh, there's so many. Um, And off the top of my head, because I'm not in that mode, I can't tell you, but I'll, um, I'll, I'll get them so you can write it at the end of the podcast recommendation. Yeah, I'll put them in, I'll put whatever books Elaine recommends in the show notes and possibly when I'm recording the intro, outro after this, I can even mention them. Um, okay, yeah, um, and then, yeah, so just the the fun one I did on social media, so just so I thought we could just chat to this. So I put in on my Instagram for everyone listening, it was what does psychology in sport mean to you? Um, so we can just discuss people's answers. Um, so Steph's, Steph's put in understanding how the brain can affect performance. Yeah, that's, that's, it's the brain, it's, it's your thoughts, it's your emotions, it's your feelings. Yeah, so it's, it's how, yeah, I, I like that answer. Uh, Ash has put in, which we've kind of, we haven't gone into this too deep, by the way, um, looking after the mental health and well-being of fitness professionals, participants, and athletes. Oh, yeah, we didn't even touch on that, did we? Yeah, we didn't go near mental health. Um, it's another podcast for another time. <laughs> so, so sports psychology, mental health, boom, there you go. You've got you've got two minutes to sort that out. So that's basically what I'm doing my thesis on. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's talk about that. <laughs> so um, 
what was the question there? Because I want to make sure that I... I uh, so that. Ash is... It's not really a question. It's more a statement. Um, it's kind of like looking after mental health and the well-being of participants. Okay, sweet. That is literally what I'm doing for my thesis. So um, my thesis is we've created a workshop for coaches and support staff. So like strength and conditioning coaches, nutritionists, physiotherapists, um, to educate them on how to recognize the signs and symptoms of anxiety and depression amongst their athletes. Oh. Um, so we've rolled it out and we've done three of them um, online and feedback is actually mind blowing. It's like phenomenal. Like I knew it would get interest, but I didn't expect the interest that it has gathered. It's been insane um which is really great and the feedback are like this needs to be rolled out nationally blah 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 which is one of my aims so my my aim after the thesis was to then you know roll this out to all the national governing bodies local sports partnerships etc but there's been such demand that we're going to roll it out before even the thesis results come out um which is mad um it's great you know mental health is such i keep calling it a hot topic, popular, trendy, like I'm sure one of those will offend someone listening. But what I'm trying to say is mental health is just people are now prepared to talk about it. People are now prepared to push mental health in terms of support. So mm-hmm. that's that's why it's popular and what you're finding. Yeah. So um yeah I'm really excited. I'm really proud of it. And yeah, I just I really hope it it helps, you know, especially with stigma. Um because traditionally in sport they don't talk about mental health because it's seen as a, oh, it's seen as a weakness. It's seen as, yeah. you know, when you play sport, you're, you have to be macho. And how many times have been told to man or woman up, you know, like get over it. Whereas now my um, kind of goal, I guess, and aim is to educate coaches on, on the importance of it and the importance of their language and the importance of, of being open to having those discussions. So we teach them then how to, um, approach the athlete to have a conversation, know who and how to refer them onto, and then most importantly, support them through that journey as well. So, yeah. So many things are jumping behind just about, like, the to mind, just about mental health. Um, I, I suppose I'll just kind of go on to the stock questions that I tend to ask people is like, what do you do for your own mental health that serves um, you well? Again, the, the the one for me is knowing who I need to go to mm-hmm. when I have a need to be fulfilled. Yeah. Um, that's been a massive that's been a massive learning and learning curve for me over the last year and a half, two years. Um I regularly see a therapist. I would never like I suppose there's a bit of a taboo, but when I first started going to a therapist, um You see a therapist, you're you're, you're so weak. Oh my god. <laughs> my um I told my mom I was like oh I'm, I'm just going out I'm going to see a therapist and she turned around and she said what's wrong with you and I was like this <laughs> I should, is I should laugh I'm laughing because it's a typical response isn't it and I was like this is why there's such an issue and yeah. there's such a taboo and there's such a stigma I was like there's nothing wrong like there's nothing wrong with me I was like I've gone through so much change hey Lindsay <laughs> um, <laughs> oh yeah of course <laughs> so I was like I've gone through so much change in the last 
you know, six months that it's just so good to chat to somebody about it. So mm-hmm. um, that's been a huge thing for me. And I see I see her weekly, like everyone else. Yeah. Um, and obviously this is through lockdown, so I assume some of that is via Zoom, like video yeah, calls. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's all on Zoom. Yeah. yeah, which is um, great. And like, I'm such a advocate of like, everyone should have a therapist. I think they're wonderful people. Yeah, I think people, everybody does have a, a therapist, whether or not they're a professional therapist or not is, um, is another question. Mm. You know, we all have, you know, as you just said earlier, you kind of did that big section and you have people who you go to for problems in your life. They're effectively therapists. You know, we always joke in the fitness industry, how you start off as a personal trainer and you become sort of some weird life coach standing beside someone in the gym in between sets talking about shit that's going on in your world and their world um we we do, we do become that's why a lot of personal trainers do venture into psychology and to life coaching because yeah, so you kind of do it anyway yeah and my um i guess kind of like an extension to the thesis is like i'd love to roll it out into the fitness industry um for like as you say like pts for good fitness um right. to give them a little bit more education and um, and a bit of upskilling. The last thing a group fitness instructor or a personal trainer needs is more fucking courses about how to do burpees and deadlifts and TRXs and tie bands between your legs and do hex deadlifts, sumo deadlifts. Um, what, what they need is support with their own personal mindset and, well, and the mindset of their clients, probably more specifically their own mindset. Um, yeah, and we cover that in the in the workshop as well is is how to look after your own mental health as well. Why not? Why not? Yeah. So in that workshop, am I have I misunderstood? Is it is it a live in person event? Is it online? Is it? So yeah, it, for the thesis, it was um it was a live event um and it is being rolled out as a live event as well. Yeah. So. Awesome. Yeah. Because if you could take that online. Elaine, if you could take that online, you and I could package that up as some mental health serves the group fitness instructor. We could we could charge like about seven hundred pounds per person. Um, we could earn so much money, and then we could just retire. I, sorry, I mean, like it is. We've done it online because it was supposed to be like it was supposed to be in person, but we it, we've been rolling it out online. That's brilliant, absolutely yeah. brilliant. Because then it's it's so accessible to everyone, and you're not just limited to you know obviously. Your postcode and the people who know about the course already that's brilliant where can people find out more information about that um so the thesis part is is done um but as i said the site who delivered it for me um is rolling out nationally so um we can put our email address um can't we yeah so that's going to be rolled out um people are just going to contact and she can whether it's you know, a, a, a club, whether it's an organisation, etc. Um, or if you just want to book on individually, that can be done as well. Awesome. Well, just on time, there's so much more I want to talk about. We'll, we should definitely do another one of these, more so about mental health. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, so stock questions very, very quickly. What would you tell your 20-year-old self? Oh, don't give a shit about whatever what every everybody else thinks and just embrace your weirdness and embrace your uniqueness 
because that's something I definitely didn't do and I held back um, until quite recently. What weird obsessions do you have right now? I have a really, really weird obsession right now with Twitter and just following conspiracy theories and just seeing what weird crap is out there. Um, do you know what? I've started to love Twitter as well. Um, I, that's how we advertise the, the workshops. And uh-huh. land, like it's mad. It, Twitter is just a mad world, isn't it? Yeah, big time. It's quite, it's quite cool. I, I enjoy it. For um, me, it's the one platform where the algorithm seems to respond to you quickest. So if it suddenly sees me looking at a lot of politics, the next time I open Twitter, it will push articles towards me. Whereas the next time, if I'm looking at a lot of football, it will push football towards me. Oh, okay, okay. Whereas the rest of them seem to take two or three weeks and have a mind of their own. Whereas Twitter, I don't know, it just for me, I just like that bit about it. Yeah, I didn't take any notice of that. I suppose I was just looking at the same thing the whole time. <laughs> um, my weird obsession... Can I say tea at the minute? Like, all I'm doing is like sat in my laptop and, and on so many calls and, and I'm just literally every, every to get up, I'm not getting much exercise in the minute. So every time I'm like, oh, I'll go make a cup of tea. And that's like, I have to go up and down the stairs a lot. <laughs> so Irish. <laughs> I know, yeah. That's like, that is so stereotypical. Uh, and then finally, what's next for you today? What's next on the agenda? Oh, today, um, what, what day do we have? We're Wednesday the 14th, it is 12.23. Oh, so I have lectures um, from four to six. So I have weekly lectures between now and Christmas. Now and Christ- I was like, now and Christmas? I was like, Christmas next year. Exactly. Oh my God. Uh, um, yeah, and then I'm actually starting to teach a class for my brother. My brother owns his own gym. Um, so he's asked me to... Um, start teaching so I'm, we're starting the first class this evening so that's going to be broadcast via zoom and his facebook group um that's it that's that's my day so i need to prep we have um prep to do before lectures and they get posted in the morning so i'm gonna make a cup of tea i'm gonna prep for my lecture go to my lecture and then teach awesome, um, awesome. yeah well, I will put uh, your details in the show notes. Um, and if you can get back to us with some of those uh, book recommendations, and yeah. we'll do a podcast uh, again. I'd love to get you back on to talk about some like real meaty, juicy stuff mm-hmm. um, around mental health and around other things as well. Yeah, um, yeah so I think sure. that would be good to do. Yeah, no, definitely. Thanks awesome, so- Thank you so much for coming on. It's so great to see your face. <laughs> and you and you and uh enjoy the rest of your day and i will catch up with you soon okay bye you're listening to the ricky long podcast when the podcast is just fun to do and it's just a conversation and there's a little bit of um education in it there's a little bit of banter and it's just yeah, a little bit of silliness in it and i thought what elaine and i had there was a uh, good 
balance in terms of everything I've just mentioned there. Um, good value for you to listen to and fun for us to record and produce. Um, so yeah, that's the end of the podcast. Let us know what you thought. If you could post on your Instagram stories, tag me, tag Elaine on your Instagram stories. That would be great. It helps me out. It lets me know the content I'm producing for you, uh, the, the, the end user, the listener, the audience member, whatever we want to call it, um, is valuable and worthwhile. Uh, feeling that, just send us a message, you know, a private message. Um, let us know, A, what you thought of this and two what other things you want to hear on the podcast. Um, I spoke there about doing, going a little bit more in-depth in mental health, which was part of the plan for this podcast. We just kind of went off different directions, which I won't apologize for, but I am aware of that. So we'll make sure that is brought in in the near future. Uh, make sure you follow Elaine. Remember to, if you're listening to this before Friday the 30th of October, there are still tickets for Jump Live, which is on Friday the 30th of October. Um, So check out the link in the bio to see if you can grab your ticket with expert speakers for group fitness participants and instructors for their own personal and professional development. You will leave the event with an action plan on how to look after yourself better for the foreseeable future with expert content from Ricky Long, Lindsay Morrison, Matt Thraxton, Rachel Newsham, Tim Meadows, Adam Burke and Marion Morrison, who are all expert speakers in the world of personal development. Uh, shout out to your sponsors, Pony for Sport and Bodycore Training. Could not do this or any of the podcasts without either of you. So thank you very much. Have a great day, week, weekend, and I will see you on the next podcast. You are listening to the Ricky Long Podcast, where international fitness entrepreneur Ricky Long answers your questions and interviews fitness leaders on training, nutrition, and mindset. Be sure to leave a review on iTunes.